Man, and thank you guys. Who said you lost an hour of sleep last night? I don't believe it. Hey, we are glad to give you that hour back. Thanks so much, everybody, for being flexible in the way that we have adjusted things today and uh, changing our start times. Uh, don't forget, we've got food trucks who are uh, set up out back here. Uh, we're going to have inflatables for the kiddos a little later. We found out the only thing that we need to do to have snow here in Chattanooga is to plan a springtime event, okay? Uh, so next year, Christmas Eve, we want you to go ahead and mark your calendar. We're going to um, have a spring fling on Christmas Eve. That's our plan, all right? So everybody just mark your calendar. <laughs> Get ready now. Hey, we are glad that you are here. Hope that you're able to make it through uh, the snowmageddon of 2022. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. We actually changed our times today because our youth went on a retreat this weekend. And we knew that if we were going to get them back, we had to start later. So we're glad to see our teens have made it. Thanks for those who went and participated in that. Heard they had a um, great, uh, great weekend. So we're glad to, have, um, glad to have them back. All right, look, I'm going to start things this morning. And I'm going to do this. Uh, I'm just going to have to say something right off the bat that's just going to be weird. It's going to sound weird. And I just want to tell you right off, uh, right off, just so you know, it's going to sound weird. It's kind of like ketchup on eggs weird. You know, that kind of weird. Uh, by the way, anybody put ketchup on eggs? Where are the weird people in the room? All right, we got some? Good. Um, it, it's also like eating ice cream with a fork weird. All right, anybody eat ice cream with a fork? All right, I've got a few friends. Good. I don't think that's a weird thing, but I threw it in there because my family says that I'm strange. But here's the weird thing I have to tell you today. You guys have beautiful feet. Yeah. I know, I hear some of you going, oh, no. And you're like, hey, how does Chris know about my feet? Some of you are really, really excited right now. It's like, hey, the word got out, <laughs> you know? You look over at your spouse, and you're like, I've been telling you for years. I've got beautiful feet. Man, they look good. Uh, some of you moved your feet further under the pew just now. And you're thinking, how, how, how does Chris know this? Trust me, trust me, I, I do, even though I've never seen the majority of your feet except for you weird Choco-wearing people that just do that all the time. Somebody here today probably has, anybody here have on Choncos? Anybody? I'm sure, yeah, look, there we go. I told you, I told you, we got weird people. But she, um, God bless you, you got beautiful feet. You got beautiful feet, Becca. I know you do. Um, and I'm going to tell you why you have beautiful feet at the end of this lesson, okay? At the end of this lesson. So everybody hang in there with me. Um, as we uh, go on. But in the meantime, I'm going to tell you how I got in trouble at a soccer game. Some of you already know about this, uh, but a few years back, I attended an indoor soccer game. Now, I didn't grow up playing soccer, okay? Didn't grow up playing soccer, uh, don't really know a lot of everything except just the, the, the basic things, you know, you're trying to kick the ball, get it to the goal, and all that kind of stuff. But I've been to some soccer matches. I've seen soccer on television. You know, I've watched World Cup and, and seen all that, and everybody goes crazy, you know, and nuts. And so there I am at this indoor soccer match, and, and one of the individuals that I went to watch scored. And so I'm getting up going, Woo! Yes! That's the way! Woo! And you would have thought that I had just taken off my shirt and like painted a picture of the player on it and was running up and down the side because everybody else just looked at me and no one else was cheering. I'm just looking around and I go back and <laughs> take my seat and another spectator leaned over and said, um, we don't cheer in indoor soccer like we do in outdoor soccer. Now, some of you might 
be used to this. Or this might just have been a strange experience that I had. Maybe it was just something that they wanted me to look weird. And they were like, hey, the first goal, nobody cheer except for the new guy. Maybe that's what it was. I, I'm not really for sure. I didn't really understand it. I mean, someone that I came to support had just done something great. And we're supposed to be excited about that. And it just didn't make any sense. So I sat down and learned how to act appropriately. And you know, I've actually observed this same scene a lot. Not at soccer matches, but at church gatherings. You know, too many times I've witnessed a message of hope and declaration of salvation just being met with some, some nods and, and some apathetic agreement. Someone catches the fire of the gospel only to have someone else pour cold water on their enthusiasm and zeal. Woo-hooers who, who are, are told to tone it down and prayer warriors who say, I don't want you to pray where people might be able to see you. You know, as a minister, I've seen a lot that makes me scratch my head through the years. But nothing confuses me more than when the people of God don't seem to get very excited about the message of God. I, I don't understand that. I don't. I, I don't. I don't get it. Because in the midst of a world where it's just headline after headline of bad news, and guys, there's some awful news that's going on right now. And we don't try to come in here and, and forget what's going on around us and, and act like things don't exist outside of these walls that bring heartache and, and pain and, and, and that things are not just really bad in a lot of different areas. But look, the people of God have good news and that should be shouted from the rooftops and shared on social media and proclaimed in every office, school, and home and especially shared in the places of worship. Because it's a message of hope and salvation. It's a message of celebration. And today I want to give you this message in, in as simple terms as I can in order that we can hopefully here as a church take the next steps in order to revel in the message of God. I want us to revel in God's message. Now look, I had to look up synonyms for revel because I know it's not a word that we use that often. But I needed an R because we've been talking about different R things. We've been remembering our calling and rebuilding our ministry and restoring our community. And so I needed I need an R word. And so I looked it up and, and I found that revel, well, it, it means to celebrate. And it means to enjoy. It means to adore. Now, if you're going to be less formal in your vocabulary, you can make merry. Or you can have a party. Or you can live it up. Or it says that you can whoop it up, Right? You know, get a little, whoop, there it is, right? That, that's, what it, that's what this word means. But look, if you're British, or at least if you want to sound British, instead of revel, you can say, push out the boat. Yeah, I don't know why you would say that unless you're really pushing out a boat, but it's British, and so it's cool, right? I mean, it's cool. So, let's, so here we're going to do. We're going to push out the boat this morning, and we're going to whoop it up and celebrate a message that declares that people matter to God. Can I get an oh yeah? People matter to God. And look, those of us who have been a part of church for a long time, and myself included, we get very good at affirming statements like this. And then we just go and completely ignore it in our daily lives. I mean, we hear it, we're like, yes, people matter to God. And then we have an opportunity to show other people that they matter to God. And we don't always follow through with that. We, we agree with it, but we don't own it. We tuck it into our minds right next to other biblical truths like David was the king and Moses parted the Red Sea and, and Ruth was a Moabite. We nod our head in intellectual approval and then we move on to other topics. It's like, all right, what's next? Great. People matter to God. But guys, people matter to God. Woohoo! 
I mean, that's, that's a hoop it up kind of moment right there. You know, I just, do we really believe this to the core of our being? Because if so, it will impact the way that, that we treat those who mistreat us and the way that we interact with those who are different from us. It will influence how we treat the insider and the outsider. It will impact how we spend our time and our money. Our calendars are going to show how we use our time and energy to try to engage with and interact with those people who are outside the family of God. Our bank accounts are going to show how we invest in resources that daily touch individuals who are out there on the margins. And these are investments that flow out of a heart that genuinely says, people matter to God. And guess what? Because they matter to God, they matter to me too. And so people go, why do you spend your time the way you do? Because people matter to God. Why, why do you organize your, your calendar? And why do you set aside your finances? And why do, you, why do you just plan the way that you plan? It's because people matter to God. And because people matter to God, people matter to me. You see, like our Father, we need to see every person. Every person is someone who was created in his image and who's loved by him. It doesn't matter how old they are, what color they are, what country they come from, how much money they have, what their education background is, the job that they hold. It doesn't even matter how flagrant their sins are. They have great value in God's eyes. And it's no wonder that Jesus went and ate with the religious and he ate with the sinful alike. No wonder that he spoke to the women and the outcasts. He welcomed in the children. No wonder he was empathetic with the harassed and the helpless. He was sympathetic to the doubting and confused. No wonder he reached out and he touched lepers and he, he touched eyes that couldn't see. It's no wonder he cried with the grieving and he celebrated with the joyful. You see, Jesus understood that people, all people, even you, matter to God. And it was his life's mission to share and demonstrate this truth with as many people as possible. And so Jesus told a parable about what the kingdom was like in Luke chapter 14. And he said a master is wanting to have this great feast and he wants all the people to come. So he sends out invitations. But the people say no. Oh, this one's got to do that, and that one's got to do something else. And the servant comes back and says, you know what? The people aren't coming. They're not going to be here. So the master says, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into the roads, and I want you to go to the country lanes, and I want you to go look behind the hedges, and I want you to go everywhere you can, and I want you to find people and bring them in because my father's house is going to be full. See, God has never said that there was enough in his house. He wants a full house. That's why people matter to God. He wants a full house. I love it. But sadly, people lose their way. People lose their way. Now look, nobody gets lost on purpose. I have never set out and said, you know what, I think I'm just going to go today and get lost. I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to tell Siri, help me get lost today. Now sometimes Siri can do that on her own. You know, that just happens. But nobody gets lost on purpose. I mean, preoccupation and carelessness of others and miscalculation, all these things come into play when it comes to the way in which we live out our lives. You know, sheep have an, an instinctive tendency to wander. We know this. And we know that how the Bible describes us as, as being like sheep who have gone astray, that, that sheep that just nibbles on a blade of grass here and then finishes that one and then looks up and goes off to another blade of grass over there and it just kind of keeps going until all of a sudden kind of looks around and is like, well, where did everybody go? You know, this is what I was doing. I was focused on, I was focused on the, the grass. But, you know, something happens the longer the sheep is away from its shepherd. Something a sheep that's named Shrek learned firsthand. 
Shrek was a merino breed sheep living in South Island, New Zealand. In 2004, Shrek escaped from its enclosure and, and lived six years away from his owner by hiding in local caves, right? Now, I plan on having a picture of Shrek to show you today, but as you can see, there's no picture. And so, Stephen Walker, would you come up here just a moment, please? Uh, come, come on up here. I need, I need your help. I, I need your help. Just, just a minute. Now, you kind of came up here like a sheep. You were just kind of like, okay, bah. all right. Um, all right, I want you to come right here. Now, um, Stephen right here, uh, he is a sheep that is nice and shorn, okay? I mean, he's looking good. He is very svelte. He, he looks nice, okay? But that was not how Shrek was. So what I need you to do, I just need you to go and steal some jackets and put them on for you, if you would, please. So grab that one right there, and I want you to see, I want you to see how many jackets you can get on here while, while I continue talking, all right? Just go, find, find a jacket, put them on. See what you can get. People are gonna people are gonna let you let you have some. You see, the merino breed. Um, mo most sheep's are, are able to shed their wool, but this particular style sheep, well, just can't do that. And so, during this time, its fleece grew without anybody to shear it. And so, when it was finally found in 2010 and was shaved, its fleece weighed an amazing 60 pounds. How many jackets you got there, Stephen? All right, you got 60 pounds worth. You're working on it. Hey, that's looking good. Hey, that, you are a great Shrek. Come on, come right up on here so everybody can see. Look at that. Man, that is good. If you got your phone, somebody make sure you get a good picture right here. We, we need this for social media. This will be great. You, you, just, you just stand there while I talk about you a little bit, all right? All right, so after six years, Shrek carried six times the amount of wool that, that he was supposed to carry. And now understand something. We're not that much different than Shrek here. Okay, we are very similar because the longer that we are away from our shepherd, the further that we get from God's path. And then the more weight that we begin to accumulate in life. Now, it's great to see Shrek here with, with all of this wool that's piled up on him. And we get to laugh and we get to, we get to have fun with it. But you need to understand that, that while Shrek here is covered in all of this, you also came in, you came in covered as well. You brought in your suitcase of guilt. You brought in your sack of discouragement. And you kind of draped a, a duffel bag of weariness over one shoulder. A satchel of grief is on the other. You added a backpack of doubt. And, and you got an overnight bag of loneliness. And you probably dragged in a trunk full of fear as you came in. And then there's the heaviest baggage of all. Each and every one of us walked into this room today. And, and there is this sin that is present within us. And that comes out of us. And you carry this Samsonite suitcase full of hatred and pride and, and jealousy and anger and selfishness and lust. And no wonder we're so tired by the end of the day. I mean, doesn't he look tired? I mean, look at that guy. Man, he looks so tired. But that's why we also marvel at the words of Christ when he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. You see, when Shrek was found, a professional sheep shearer came on, and in just 25 minutes of time, was able to take off the 60 pounds of weight. And I need you guys to know that if you are outside of Christ today, it's not going to take 25 minutes for Jesus to do something about all your sin. It doesn't take that long. I mean, that's why, that's why you're here today, right? Hey, thank you so much for being a great Shrek for us. We appreciate it. Give him a round.
Everybody can come get your jackets in a minute. Hang on. Unless you need them. Anybody need, is anybody cold? Somebody's like, I really need that because I'm cold. If you need it because you're cold, you can come and get it. Look, and it's not going to take you 25 minutes. It's not going to take 25 minutes for, for Jesus to say, you know what? You are, you are clean. It doesn't take that kind of time. And it's a great thing because we all come with all these different burdens that, that we were never meant to carry. But we are told that the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon Jesus. So guys, look, people lose their way. But people can be rescued. Push out the boat, man. Isn't that good? Right? People can be rescued. People can, can change. That's good news for all the lost sheep that are in the room. Now, it should come as no surprise to discover that tax collectors and other notorious sinners came to listen to Jesus teach. And, and when this would happen, it did not go over really well with all the religious elite. They couldn't believe that this man welcomes sinners. And not only does he welcome sinners, he also eats with sinners. And I just want you guys to know, we have food trucks out here. Today, you're going to be eating with some sinners. Okay? Right? And apparently, Stephen's really excited about that. That's good. Yeah. You're going to be eating with some sinners. That, that's who we are. We, we, we don't hit the mark. We, we do not do things in a way that is always bringing honor and glory to God. And the religious understood this. And they had no doubt that people could lose their way. And they were really quick to point out all the ones that did lose their way. Right? They knew the ones who were in and they knew the ones who were out. They even knew the ones who had wandered the farthest away. And so that's why you read in Scripture, it'll talk about the sexually immoral, the robbers, the murderers, the tax collectors, these people that Jesus were with. And the religious elite just couldn't believe it. They didn't have any room for grace. There was no room under all their judgment to have any kind of grace come out. Look, make no mistake, the tax collectors and sinners, they knew where they stood in the eyes of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They were the outsiders, and they did not belong to the elite club of the righteous. But look, people who were lost, we say they matter, but they felt like they didn't matter. People who were lost, they just said, well, it just don't really matter. We, we don't fit in. We're not a part. And there are some of you who are here today in this room, and there's some of you who are watching online, you're listening right now to this podcast, and you felt this way before. Because your purity has been taken away. And you've lied or maybe you've cheated. And you've made choices that have disappointed your family. You've made choices that have let down your friends. You, you've made choices that have let down even people that, that you worship with regularly. You've been drunk and you've been stoned and you've enjoyed both. You've hoarded your money. You've bowed down at the altar of materialism and you've worshipped with total abandon. Your marriage is history, and your current relationship is not honoring God. You've lost your way. And maybe you've crossed paths at some point in time with church people who made you feel as if you didn't matter. Maybe you work with those people. Maybe your kids go to school with them. They're part of your family, perhaps. I need you to hear this. If you've ever felt marginalized, if you've ever felt dismissed, if you've ever felt ostracized or lost, then I have good news for you. You matter to God. You matter to God. And, and, and God says, look, I want to find you. I want to find you right here this morning. See, there are those of you who are here this morning, and, and you're like, you know what? I, I get it. I know. I, I'm not where I need to be. I'm not in the relationship with God that I need to be in. And you just hope that you could come in here today, and you could just hide. And yet God saw you the whole time. He knows where you're sitting. Jesus said, I have come to seek and save the lost. Whoo! There it is, right? I mean, that's it. 
Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. And then what does Jesus do when he finds that man or woman who has lost their way? The man or woman who hasn't been putting God first. The man or woman who's been living for themselves. The person that says, you know what, I'm just going to do things my way. When Jesus finds that person, man, he joyfully carries him or her on his shoulders. And then when he arrives back at the house, he calls all the friends, he calls all the family, says, we got to celebrate, we got to rejoice, we got to whoop it up, we got to revel in this, because one who is lost has been found. And the church goes, Woo! That's right. That's awesome stuff. Especially when you can picture yourself carried on the shoulders of Jesus. Can you do that? Have you had that moment? Do you need that moment today? Can you picture the party that is thrown in your honor? That description that I painted is from Luke chapter 15, where Jesus tells the story of lost sheep and talks about the man who will leave, that shepherd who will leave the, the 99, and he will go out looking for that just one and, and come back and celebrate because that sheep had been found. And he would say that there is joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God. Some translations say there's joy in the presence of the angels. I used to read this, and, and, and I've even taught it before. I talked about, hey, the angels are rejoicing. The Bible doesn't say the angels rejoiced. The Bible says there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels. Do you know who's rejoicing every time someone who is lost is found? It's God. God is the one who's going, whoo! There it is. There he is. I've been waiting on you. Look, there she comes. Come on, everybody, get excited because she's coming home. And God is excited. And God is overjoyed. And I don't know why the people of God do not get overjoyed about the message of God. Because people matter. But people get lost. But hey, good news. People can be found and redeemed. Guys, the church above all is intended to be a place of good news and celebration. It brings forgiven sinners from every culture, nationality, and gender together with the aim of equipping and dispensing grace to others. But look, before we can share grace, we've got to accept the grace. Before we can tell the good news, we must believe the good news. People matter to God. And yes, people lose their way. But good news, people can be rescued. So let's revel and let's celebrate and, and let's party and let's be woo-hooers. Let's be excited. Because every time we get together as a body, it means that more and more who are lost have come. Some, some who were brought in on Jesus' shoulders years ago, but others who were just being brought that very day. And so we celebrate because we can be rescued from our choices. And we woo-hoo because we can be rescued from our addictions and rescued from our selfishness. We revel because we can be rescued from our passions and lust. We're so excited because the racism and bigotry and, and anger and hatred. We can be rescued from all these things, from our doubts and insecurities, from legalism and judgmentalism and, and all those other isms that, that, that just weigh us down. We can be rescued from all of our endless wanderings. You see, the shepherd has come looking for you. The shepherd has come here today looking for you. But don't run and don't hide. Instead, place your trust in him. Commit yourself to him. That's belief. 
submit to his instructions and leading. That, that's this idea of repentance, where you, you, you turn from your own selfishness and your own direction and say, I'm going to follow the shepherd of my soul. Let him wash your wounds. It happens every time someone is baptized into Christ. And then enjoy the celebration. <laughs> we want to celebrate with you. But we want to celebrate when we hear about those who have been far off being brought closer to a life-restoring relationship to Jesus Christ. It's one of the reasons that we come together each and every week. We bring our worshiping lives here to this place. We don't come here to worship. We bring our worship here. And then we celebrate together because we look around and we see somebody else that has been rescued. And we see somebody else who's been lifted up onto the shoulders of Jesus. And we see somebody else who, yeah, we know they're struggling. We know what they're going through. But you know what? They're here. And they're present because they know that they need to be close to other people of God. And they need to be reminded about the shepherd. There's a poetic passage in Isaiah 57 or 52 and verse 7. And it says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. Told you I have beautiful feet. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. Guys, this verse talks about how wonderful it is to bring to bring good news to people who need to hear it. And that's what you and I get to do each and every day. We get to take good news in the midst of all the bad news that we're hearing right now and all the things that we're experiencing and all the things that are going on in our individual lives and in our families and in our community and in our country and in the world. We get to take good news. We have a great message. And because we have a great message, we have beautiful feet. So go tell someone that they matter. And go tell someone that they can be rescued. Better yet, instead of telling them, why don't you go and show them? Why don't you go and show them that they matter? Show them that you care. And then come back next week and push out the boat with all the rest of us. Guys, can we stand and give praise and honor to God this morning for the salvation that he has brought? Will you do that with me? And look, if you would like to be baptized into Christ this morning because of your belief that he is the one and only Son of God and you want to be a part of that kingdom, we encourage you to come and let that be known and let us celebrate, all right? We got the food trucks out back. They're going to be ready for us. But you know what? We'd love to celebrate with you first because you've been baptized into Christ. Or maybe you just need to come today and say, you know what? Man, I've been wandering. I've been nibbling. I've been, I've been going off in my own direction. I need to let go of some of this weight. I need to just... Drop it in front of the Lord. We're going to have some of our elders who will be up here in the front. would love to have an opportunity to pray with you. There will also be one of our elders in our prayer room. It's in our back lobby. If you'd like to go there and have some private time, we'd love for you to have that. Guys, people matter to God, but people get lost. But there's good news because people can be restored. That is your message. You have beautiful feet. So let's leave here today and share that. Let's celebrate.